be bringing the message again in worship. It's going to be a great day. In preparation of that and to give him just a few minutes of breather and recuperation, I'm going to introduce worship. And <clears throat> because uh, we're practicing and exercising great public speaking, we're going to tell you that as I introduce worship, we're also going to be addressing the results of last night's church plant and the upcoming next weekend. All right? So you got your ears on? Yes, sir. Okay. So I've been doing a study, and it is in 2 Samuel. I've been, I've been reading through Samuel. just started 2 Samuel. This morning I get up to do my reading, and I'm in 2 Samuel 6. On your own time, you should definitely read it, but I just want you to have your, your ears on. There's an interesting thing that happens. Uh, David has been an obedient son, okay, to the father, and and he has the whole entire nation of Israel back. He is now the prince. And he has taken Jerusalem. It is now called the city of David. And so he goes to another little town that he had the ark hiding in, and he grabs the ark, and he brings it to the city of David. But before it gets there, there was an unfortunate gentleman who sneezed, and the, and the ark wobbled, and somebody touched it, and the next thing you know, he died. Right? And so David was like, I don't want none of that coming into my city. So he parks it in this dude's house. And he goes back home. And then there was a message that came to him that said, where the ark is, where the presence of God is, all of the people in that house are blessed. And David is like, well, I was really scared of what happened when I was in the presence of God. Me too. But the very God that we're afraid of when we're in his presence is the very God who wants to bless us. Okay? We all sneeze. We all touch things we shouldn't. And the Lord is there to redeem it. David goes back to the house and he's like, okay, I'm taking back what was mine. And he brings it into the city of David. This is walking us into worship. Ears on. <clears throat> David gets a little bit excited. Okay? He comes into town starting with a loincloth. I think he ends it with nothing. David is, is worshiping the Lord with all he has. Now, at the same time that this is happening, Mikhail, Saul's daughter, looks out the window and sees her husband coming into town butt naked. Right? And she's embarrassed of how he's acting before the Lord. And so when he parks the ark and he comes into his house to bless it, she curses him for his behavior in front of the servant girls, so to speak, in front of the lowliest of low. I'm not real sure where Quentin is going in worship other than we just have trusted that we know he's going to be lifting the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit on high. And we also know that we as a people group are called to keep our focus on him. Now, if any of you were at Conduit North last night, Pastor Cameron brought a message about putting all our eggs in one basket. Knowing nothing but Jesus crucified. Knowing nothing but our Lord and Savior resurrected. That we know nothing else. And I just want to challenge you as we come into this message and into this season 
that, that like David, in front of the presence of God, in front of even the people of his own household, he didn't care what they thought of him because he cared more about what God saw him doing. Worship is a lifestyle. I'm not encouraging you all to be butt naked on the way home. But I am encouraging you all to not cover yourselves up with the things that the world thinks are pleasing. I dare you to strip your life down in front of the Father and dance burdenless. Amen? Amen? Because the Lord is looking for you. Are you looking for Him? He wants to bless your house. Last night, the house at Conduit North was blessed. And not because we showed up, but because we showed up to, to, to yield to the presence of God who was already there waiting. And there was 117 adults that showed up and 47 kids, 165 people or whatever. Like, is that pretty awesome? I have to admit, I was a little envious. All right? I know that's not real biblical, but I was... I'm standing in the back and greeting all these people, and I'm like, dang, Lord, like when we started this show in this house, only 23 people came. And there were no kids except my own. And they're up front playing matchboxes and Legos. And I'm like, oh my gosh. What are we doing? For real. Like to see what the Lord can do. And when we want to bring Him into our home, he promises to bless it. As you go through the week, I just want you to, to praise the Lord because His church is alive and it is moving. I encourage you to pray for Pastor Cameron and Pastor Corey and their families, for North, for here, for the next one, because there's another one. It's coming. Set your hearts on that. One of you guys is probably going to pastor it. You ready? All right. So as we walk in, we're going to introduce Quint. There's one last thing. I mentioned Pastor Corey. Some really exciting news. Uh, next week, he's going to be bringing worship. All right, he's going to be preaching to you, loving you, and uh, and and he's going to be up front with a ukulele. No, um, he's going to be teaching you more about worship. But uh, a contingent part of that is next week we introduce open house. You guys remember open house? Okay. Now open house has been a a, a work in progress. It's our whip. All right. Now, we're very excited to say that this year it's a, it's, even, it's a whole lot more intentional. It's a whole lot different. We have over 10 houses that are going to be open. Pretty exciting, okay? We have, uh, we have probably close to 16 leaders. Some are going to be in leadership pair teams. They're going to be at North. They're going to be here. Um, and we just want to, to, to you to be praying, God, where do you want me to hang out during the week? Who, what community do you want me to be part of? Because there are leaders that are going to love you and pray for you and walk with you through your life. And it's going to happen through open house. Okay, you don't come in here a stranger. All right? We don't want that. We want you to come here as family. And the way that works is when you come into our house. All right? So have your ears and eyes on for that. I'm going to pray for Quint and the message. And, and I encourage you, all right, leave here burdenless. Be naked before God, worshiping the one who loves you. Don't be afraid of what people think of you. I'm not. I don't care what you think of me. I love him. I love my father. 
He has given me so much, and I deserve none of it. Let your worship start in your life. Will you pray with me? Okay. Father, we just ask that, that Lord, <clears throat> you, you bear the witness. You bear the point of change. You're the one that shows us the high spots and the low spots in our life. God, let this room today be the safest place for us to come before you and be honest. That you can be honest with us, God. Raise an awareness in our heart, Father, of who it is we worship. your heart, the teaching of his word, and the prompting of his spirit, because he wants to walk from yourself, and he wants to walk your blessing over this church. We ask your blessing over your church that's in this region. We ask that you to move to God's houses of worship today. That you bring them close to you. Lord, we ask you to prepare our own houses to receive your worship. We ask that in your mind. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm not going to lie. I'm really tired. That was some awesome worship, but I'm like, I've been in a lot of weddings and they tell you don't lock your knees or you'll pass out. I feel like I just stood in a wedding and locked my knees the whole time. So I had visions of walking around and I'm going to sit today, okay? And we're going to do what we did last week. It's going to be good, but um, how is everybody? It's so good to see you and I love hearing your voices lifted up as one. It is amazing. Um, I have a, a worship leader friend who texted me a picture of a closet full of flannel shirts last year and said, worship leader wardrobe. <laughs> so I've been watching the weather app for 60-ish degrees so I can justify wearing one of my 53 flannels. So <laughs> today is that day. But anyways, this is uh, week two in our series, Conduit Worship. And um, so last week we kicked this off. We're Really what we're seeking to do, as Pastor Ben just set up, is we're trying to explore the basics of worship. What is it? Why do we do it? Where did it come from? Um, I'm obviously not going to redo all of last week's message, um, but I think, a lot of, I think some of it is worth repeating um, just so we can kind of segue into this part two and, and lay the groundwork for anybody that wasn't here. So we are in the original book on worship, the book of Psalms, okay? So if you want to grab your Bibles, if you want to grab the Conduit Ministries app on your smartphone, there's a Bible on there. Um, specifically, we're in Psalms 120 through 134, which are known as the Songs of Ascent, okay? The Israelite people, as they headed back to Jerusalem for different um, feasts and festivals, would sing these songs in order, uh, because they take a believer or a follower of God on a specific journey. So we're going to spend some time there this morning. Uh, but first, I'd like to set the stage, like I said, with what we did last week. Last week, I came in here with just one point, okay? Just one. I've been hanging out with these guys so long, I can preach 35 minutes on one point. So <laughs> Ben thinks it's funny. So um, you all will laugh later because you know it's true. 
But um, anyways, so I came in with just one point. That point was this, if you weren't here. And this point, like for real, I don't mean this flippantly or just as like a, I'm just throwing words around. This can literally, and I can attest, has literally changed my life. It's changed everything about how I live. The point was this, church is not a product for us to consume. Church is a community for us to participate in. All right? Church is not a product for us to consume. It is a community for us to participate in. That participation is never, ever meant to be out of guilt or obligation, but an overflow of our redemption. When you truly get what he has done in your life and who he is and what he wants to continue to do in your life, all you want to do is give back to him and give back to his people and give back in community. Okay? I'm not up here, wasn't last week, and I'm not today, not trying to convince you to do anything here at Conduit. Um, But what we're always trying to do is offer a place for you to share your gifts as an act of worship. Okay? It is an offering back to him and his people, his church. We looked at Psalm 22, 3, Matthew 18, Revelations 4, which all point to the truth that God's presence exists in community. In Psalm 122, which is one of the songs of ascent, King David says, when they said to me, let's go to the house of God, my heart leaped for joy. Or I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. See, because his presence is why we worship. Like, we don't come in here because the band is good. Or we don't come in here because we enjoy it. We come in because his presence is in here and we're praising him. And this is our one shot for him to hear our voices together praising him. His presence is what we worship. So anytime we come together, anytime we share our gifts with each other through serving at events, through serving in Conduit Kids, through serving anywhere, it is an act of worship and it is a beautiful thing. It is what, it is what we were created for, to be created, not to consume. We were not put here to take in as much entertainment as we can I know I'm saying this on NFL opening Sunday, so I'm treading on dangerous turf, but literally turf. Um, But for real, that's not why we were put here. That's not the point. The point is to be creative and to give back and to love, to love him. All right, so that's the flyby of last week. If you want to hear more, it's available on the app under sermons. It's called Worship, Who Said Anything About Music? Because worship is so much more than just five songs at the beginning of a church service. Worship is, this is almost a direct quote, um, worship is a sacrifice from a heart that loves its God with abandon. And that's how I want to segue into part two of this series. Worship is a sacrifice from a heart that loves its God with abandon. Today we're going to call this, Who Are We Worshiping? Because for me to get up here and tell you that his presence exists inside of community and that we need to love him with an abandoned heart and we just offer back to him as a response for all that he has done is a pretty bold thing to do without offering some explanation from the word of who he is and what he has done. Honestly, it would almost be reckless for me to say all that and just assume everybody in here understands what I'm saying and is ready to do it. So today, my hope and my prayer 
is that I can point to this amazing and beautiful father of ours and illuminate who he is and the role he wants to play in your life. Why is he so worthy of this worship? Where does all of this come from? And how do we start? Okay? If you need a place to dig for answers for that, the book of Psalms is very, 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 very deep. Okay? So we're going to spend some time there. Let's pray real quick, though, and then we'll jump into this. Dear Lord, I ask today um, that, that these would not be my words, that this would not be my effort, um, that I would literally disappear up here and that you would speak to these people directly, that you would, um, you would say what needs said, that they would hear exactly what you've been trying to tell them, that today is their day for freedom and redemption. And we just trust you with all this right now. I thank you for what you've done getting us here to this place right now, your faithfulness and your patience and your love. Amen. All right, Psalm 123 in the message starts out like this. I look to you, heaven-dwelling God. I look up to you for help. I Googled it, couldn't find it. I'm not exactly sure who wrote this psalm. I know Google wasn't like the deepest research any preacher has ever done, but I Googled it, all right? I tried. Um, I'm not exactly, exactly sure who wrote this psalm, but whoever it is totally nailed it because they start by putting God in his correct position, which is over us. I look to you, heaven-dwelling God. Okay? God is heaven-dwelling. God is above us. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says it this way, For as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work, and the way I think is beyond the way that you think. Psalm 121, just two chapters over, says, My strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and mountains. Okay? Or there's more evidence throughout the Psalms. Are you ready? I'm going to give you a whole bunch. All right? I've been reading Psalms for over a year, so I'm like, my Bible's marked up and ready to go. Chapter 11, verse 4 says, God hasn't moved. His holy address has not changed. He's in charge as always. Psalm 96, 5 and 6 says, So come, let us worship. Bow before him, on your knees before God, who made us. Psalm 104, 1 and 2 says, O my soul, bless God, God my God, how great you are, beautifully, gloriously robed. 113, 4, still in Psalms, God is higher than anything and anyone, outshining everything you can see in the skies. Who can compare with God, our God? And Psalm 115, 3 says, Our God is in heaven. And I could go on, okay? The point is this. We need to pause today, right now. We need to pause and realize how great and mighty our Father is, okay? We need to take time to remember who it is that we are worshiping. We sang that song earlier, Sovereign Strong, which comes from Revelation. And sovereign means this, a person who has supreme authority or power. Strong is a person with influence, authority, resources, or means. This is our God. You can't help but find healing when you invite him in. It's who he is, and it's what he does. And we'll get there. Here's the other part to this, though. We need to be careful not to forget our place in this whole thing. 
Okay? Yes. Yes, Jesus came to us. And Jesus bridged the insurmountable, unsurpassable gap that existed between us and the Father. But I'm afraid way too often we take for granted or we oversimplify how approachable God is because of what Jesus did. Sometimes we act or we think like we're talking at God or we're talking down to God, like we're filling him in. Hey, Jesus, this is what's happening. And God, thank you for what you've done. But if you can make today great, that would help me out a lot too. Sometimes we trivialize him into this one size fits us being. I didn't say one size fits all. One size fits us, our own personal Jesus. You're not going to find him in here. A while ago, there, was, there were these shirts that were popular, and they said, Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is not your homeboy. Jesus is your savior, okay? And he gave up everything to redeem you, and he showed us the Father with his life. He showed us the power that we can live in when we rely on the Father as our source. He is stunningly beautiful. He is amazingly loving and patient. And most of all, he is a direct reflection of our Father in heaven. And that's what we're after today. Who are we worshiping? He reigns supreme above all that we do and all that we know and all that we think, and we need to be seriously humbled by that. Seriously humbled. Now, what is so amazing when we really grasp that he is over us, our posture now enters this really safe place. Psalms 9.9 says, God is a safe house for the battered, a sanctuary during bad times. In chapter 16, David says, keep me safe, O God, I've run for dear life to you. And there are countless other places where we are told that he is our safe place, but that's not the case if we keep doing our own thing and insisting that he just protect us anyways. It's not how it works. We are safe when we recognize who he is, what he has done, and what he wants to do in our lives. We are safe when we recognize who he is, what he has done, and what he wants to do in our lives. Now, I am not naive enough to think that I could convey all of that in a 45-minute message on NFL opening Sunday, okay? I know. Um, but I am so ridiculously confident in his desire for you that I will stand here and I'll boldly say, he is your safe place. He is your refuge. He has a will for you that is so much more than you could imagine if you would just stop resisting it. Or if you would just stop shrinking him down to a version of him that you are comfortable with. How does that work out for you anyways? When we choose to shrink God down, it gets, it gets pretty exhausting, right? No? Just me? Okay. Um, see, I get tired, and you probably do too, of, of trying to make it all work on my own, and it's not even working anyways, and I realize, like, we don't have to do that anymore. He is pursuing us. He's coming for us today. He's inviting you 
into this safe place where he reigns over your daily movements. And you trust his plan more than your own plan. And I can promise you that it is a freeing thing to embrace. The other reason why it would be super naive for me to try to convey all that there is about God in today's message is that it's actually literally an impossible task. It cannot be done. The second we think we know, there's more. The second we think we understand, we need to, we, there's more to learn. He's so infinitely deep. We cannot grasp all the facets and all the dimensions that make up our creator. And the second we think we haven't figured out or defined, we find out that there's so much more. He cannot be boxed up. He cannot be fully understood by our human minds. But that doesn't mean that we are left to wonder endlessly who he is or what his character is like. We are told so much about him in the Bible. We're in Psalms 123. That's where I had you turn 15 minutes ago. Psalms 123 is only four verses long, and yet it proclaims, now I'm in the message translation, but it, pro, it proclaims that he is merciful three times in just four verses. It says, we are watching and waiting. We are holding our breath, awaiting your word of mercy. Mercy, God, mercy. He is merciful. Psalm 73, 26 says that he is rock firm and faithful. Psalm 86, 17 tells us that he gently and powerfully puts us back on our feet. Chapter 106, 1. Hallelujah. Thank God. And why? Because he's good. Because his love lasts. And this is one of my favorites, Psalms 107, 1 through 3. Oh, thank God, he's so good. His love never runs out. All of you set free by God, tell the world. Tell how he freed you from oppression, and then he rounded you up from all over the place. This is what God the Father does when we surrender to him. This is who he is. If you came in here today feeling distant from him or distant from all this, I want to pause right here. I want to ask you to close your eyes, okay, everybody. I'm not going to close mine because I have notes, so I can see you if you don't listen, okay? I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think of how you have viewed God up to this point in your life. Has he been close or has he been distant? Has he been good or are you unsure? Has he been a convenience or someone that you really only remember when times are hard? Or maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your earthly father, and so when God the Father is brought up, you instantly doubt his goodness because it hasn't been your experience, a father who is good or present or available. As you sit here with your eyes closed, I want you to just listen to this really, really close. I want you to know that I'm sorry if that is the case, but so much more than that, your Father in heaven is sorry if that's the case. That was not the plan. And if you've treated him as a convenience, he forgives you. He is merciful, and he has already forgiven you. And the good news is this. In spite of your earthly experience, or in spite of your perspective of him, whether you have customized him or shrunk him down to your manageable size, 
He is good. And he is exactly who the word says he is. Nothing less. And as we continue, it is really important that you know that. And that you choose to accept that and receive it in your life. Okay, eyes open. See, last week I'm up here and I'm driving home the point that church is about community. And, and we all have ways we can participate in ways that we should participate. But we never come into this place to worship community. We come in to worship him. And that's why I wanted to pause to put him in the right place in our minds, to wipe away our preconceived notions and our things that we've held on to, because what the word says is so vital. Who he says he is in here trumps any and all experiences, any and all things that we think are true. Truth comes from one place. It's right here. So we come together to worship his presence, which exists in community. And the church, at its best, provides a place for us to grow and change and heal. It works like this. You've probably heard before, there has never been and will never be another you. Right? And we say that in celebration of God and how unique each creation is, and we say that also, um, hopefully, as an encouragement to you. Hopefully, you realize that you're one of a kind. You're unique. You are special. You are different than anyone else. Here's the only problem. What if you don't like you? What if you feel stuck with yourself and you don't know how to deal with it? It stops being encouraging real quick, doesn't it? But see, the church and God working through the church through a healthy community, provides a place for you to filter through all of that and to learn what he really says about you and why you are so worth loving. I heard a song last week that broke me down and broke all this down like really, really beautifully. So I'm just going to read you some lyrics uh, from the song. It, um, before I do that, see, we are all searching. We're searching for something that... It something that has been lost, honestly, something that has been taken from us. Um, Genesis 1, God got done with this whole thing and said that it was good. And here we sit today in 2016, and we're like, what happened, right? I thought it was good. It's messed up out there. But see, I heard this song last week, and, it, and we're all searching for something that's been taken, and we can look our whole lives, we can feel like we never find it, and so in defense, we set up walls or we develop addictions or, or safety nets of some kind um, that we can fall into, trying to pacify this pain that's always gnawing at us and eating at us. But this is what the song said. The chorus said, I am looking for a savior I can see and know and touch. One who dwells within the midst of us. May a broken God be known in the earth beneath our feet May our souls behold humility. Now I was listening to that and I'm like, are you allowed to say, may a broken God be known? Is that like one, is that against the rules? But then I thought about it. He was broken for you. He is broken. And, and what happens is we surrender our lives to our small ways, our addictions, our coping mechanisms, our personal savior. We're attempting to create a savior 
that can be with us, that can get us through the tough times, that we can honestly worship, that's right there in the middle of the struggle with us. But the great hope of Jesus Christ's life is that he is your broken Savior. He came here so that he could be that God for you. He was broken for you. He took on human life and human death and everyday struggles so that he could meet you right where you sit today. This is the heart of Father God. He showed us the Father with his life. And he's meeting and redeeming his people right where they are, right where they sit. Your role, my role, every person's role is to let go of our personal bent or our personal plan for our life and embrace the plan that he has set into motion over our life, that he wants to set into motion over our life if we would just stop resisting it. And we're only going to do that when we know what this word says about him, when we know that he is good, and when we can trust that he will really do what he says he will do. Do we really want a God that is so small we can create him with our own minds? If God has got it all, he's got to be bigger than that. He's got to be bigger than our understanding. Right? He is so much bigger. And that's why we worship him. He is our everything. He is the air that we breathe. He gave us life and he is offering us redemption day in and day out. Last week we read Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, which says his mercies are new every morning. Every morning. In a little bit we're going to close with a song um, that I heard a couple years ago. I think we did it here one time. Um, But let me just tell you some lyrics from that song. Because it really comes from the perspective of your father. It says... Come out of hiding, you're safe here with me. There's no need to cover what I already see. You've got your reasons, but I hold your peace. You've been on lockdown, but I hold the key. See, he holds the key to your peace. And we try to create our own peace, and we try to do our own thing, and we try to to cover Um, ourselves and and cover our shame and he's just sitting there you don't have to do that you don't have to do that the bridge to that song says and oh as you run so this is making the assumption that you're yielding to him but oh as you run what hindered love will only become part of the story see when you finally give in when you finally surrender when you finally yield All that resistance, it just becomes part of the story. It's just a closed chapter in the book, and you're in a new chapter. So this brings us to our crossroad today. I heard recently, and I love this, so I'm stealing it. If any part of the road of our life needs to be illuminated, it is the crossroad, right? It is the fork that we're at. So my hope is to illuminate right now The one thing I hope you remember, this is our one point for today, okay? Last week we had one point, today, one point. We worship him through our faith in him. 
If the worship of God is a staircase with many levels and many experiences and glory to glory, peak to peak, principles, all that, if the worship of God is a staircase, the first step is our basic faith in him. So maybe this should have been the first message and last week should have been the second message. But it's like this. We have to believe that he is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do or everything else, what is it built on? If we have this doubtful view of God our Father, how in the world are we going to have great, healthy community and worship of him? Like the two are opposing, right? So I'm six foot three. I've been called stretch, legs, other names probably. But when I was like 13 or 14, I started skipping steps, all right? I would do two at a time, and then I would try three at a time, and then I'd get tired, so I'd go back to two at a time. You probably do the same thing. In the act of worship, though, we can't skip this step. We need to get this basic step of faith in him before we jump ahead to the other stuff. Phil liked that one. See, if, if church is not a product to consume, worship is not a product to consume. And anytime we come into a service and, and we're like, I just like how the music makes me feel, or I really like the coffee, and I really like the hanging out in the back, and the, the music's okay, but I really don't like it when Pastor Ben or Pastor Corey get up and challenge me to trust him with my marriage or trust him with my addictions, or trust God to heal my children, or trust God to, you know, not need me to earn his love, whatever your thing is. We're pretty much saying, I'm, I'm going to skip that trust God part, and I'm just going to consume the coffee part, the music part, the, yeah, I liked everything you said except for that one thing about faith, that, no. Doesn't work that way. You're creating your own personal Jesus. Can I be mean for a minute? The Bible doesn't spend much time protecting your feelings. Did you know that? The Bible spends a lot of time showing us how we can become whole and holy through His love. Step one to becoming whole and holy is faith in God that he is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. And if we fight that, everything else is built on sand. Everything else. So, here's the encouraging news for you this morning. Faith is not invisible. All right? I have been told, yeah, faith is great, but it doesn't just change things overnight. I strongly disagree with that, but I will humor the statement, okay? I think faith does change things overnight. It doesn't mean that if you have faith to be a millionaire, you're going to be a millionaire overnight. But faith is the evidence of things hoped for, substance of things not seen. Okay, so faith is, um, well, let me, let me read from my notes. When you, when you look at a Christian's life or you see things in the Bible that you want in your life, those things are the direct evidence of faith. That is what faith, that's what you have faith in. So when you, when you look at a Christian's life and you see something that encourages you, 
You see something that you want in your own life? All that is is they've been exercising faith in him and who he is and what he says he will do. And, th and that's direct evidence from God, hopefully to inspire and encourage you. Okay? When you look at your own life and you see things that frustrate you, you feel like they're missing or they let you down, the only way out is faith. The only way out is faith. Daily faith, reminding yourself of the promises of God and trusting them like it's the first time you've heard them every day. I read this in, I think it was 1 John last summer, and I haven't been able to find it, but it says, to be mature is to be basic, and to be basic is to be mature. Okay? Every day, you have to renew your mind to these things. It's the basics. But when you're doing that, it's from this standpoint of, like, you're just trusting him with that childlike faith. We sing songs like, give me a childlike faith. That's what a childlike faith is, right? Every day, my toddler wakes up, and he has faith there's going to be waffles in the freezer, and he just asks for them. <laughs> we started buying, like, the big boxes, because he just blitzes through them. So, but that's how it is. Every day, childlike faith, the simple, basic, God, the circumstances around me and my feelings are telling me, no. But your word says that you are good and that you are merciful and that I can watch and wait and hold my breath for your word of mercy. So I'm going to do it again today. I'm going to do it again tomorrow. I'm going to do it again the next day. It's day in and day out kind of faith. If the question for today's message is who are we worshiping and we say God our Father, then the next question has to be how. And as I just said, the basic ground floor answer is through faith in who his word says he is. All right. So winding down here, I, I care so much for every heart in this room. I want this to be really clear. Sometimes it's hard for me to worship because I see so many faces and I know so many struggles and so many things because we share life together and we do community together. And so, so sometimes I, I can't look at people while we're singing because I just lose it. Like just, it's just gone. And I'm gonna, I also start crying. Um, so I look at anywhere but because I just can't handle it. But here's the thing. Today, like, I really, really want you to receive this into your life, this faith in who God the Father is. So, so often, I think people, of course we love Jesus. Of course we, yes, Jesus came and he died for us. And we're kind of unsure about the Holy Spirit part because of so many different reasons. But then, like the Father, we let our experience on earth get in the way, or we just don't, we don't always remember that Jesus showed us the Father with his life. They are one and the same. There is not a difference. One is not waiting to throw lightning at you for something you did wrong, and Jesus is telling him, no, don't. They, their character is the same, and, and, and he showed us God the Father's life and God the Father's character. So today is a chance for you to do business with your Father. Today is an opportunity to accept his love and his mercy and his desire for your life. Honestly, today is a day to repent for your time building up your own way of life. You can stay right in your seat. 
You can come up here and we would love to pray with you. But God is after your heart this morning. He's relentless in his pursuit of you. And he has promised in his word to gently and powerfully put you back on your feet. Psalm 50.23 says this. It's the praising life that honors me. As soon as you set your feet on the way, I'll show you my salvation. Do you know who the way is? The way is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And this says, it's the praising life that honors me. As soon as you set your feet on the way, I'll show you my salvation. Will you set your feet on the way this morning? Will you let him in and trust him to be who he says he will be? The greatest evidence for true repentance, for true faith, for true going forward with him is a changed life. A life that builds upon itself day after day. Will you begin that journey this morning? I'm going to have Jake uh, play a song, um, like I said, that messed me up a couple years ago. And it's called Out of Hiding. And it's by a singer named Stephanie Gretzinger. So if you want to sit in your seat, listen to these words. If you want to come up and pray, we're here. But this is kind of our closing song today. It's a little bit different than what we typically do. But let this message in. Okay? Go ahead, Jake.
God, we just praise you in this place today. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done and what you have said in your word you want to do in our lives. Lord, I just pray that every person here um, ceases any and all resistance. And they, just, um, they just surrender to you they yield to you, and they start putting down their way of doing life and embracing your plan for their life, that you would raise them up with the purpose you saw when you created them. And I thank you for the work that you're doing in this place, the work that you're doing at Conduit North and in so many people. And Lord, we just say, don't stop. Just keep moving among us. Keep healing. Keep growing us up. And we just praise you and thank you for just how awesome and beautiful you are. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, church. We will be at Conduit North Saturday at 5 and here next Sunday at 9. If you're able to give, there's a bucket in the back. Thanks so much.